Welcome to the Cyber Safe Cities podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Cybersecurity Best Practices Initiative, led by Tech Nation Canada and funded in part by Public Safety Canada under its Cybersecurity Cooperation Program. This podcast looks at the ways Canadian municipalities can ensure they are cyber safe. We'll be chatting with industry experts about best practices and their experience in the cybersecurity field. To learn more, head to technationcanada.com and check out our Municipal Cybersecurity Best Practices Guidelines. I'm your host, Tanil Bogdan, and today we are chatting with Ashley Lukirim, Assistant Vice President and Country Manager for Canada with Tenable. Ashley is accountable for Tenable's overall business strategy in Canada and leads a team of cybersecurity experts who help organizations address cybersecurity and risk management issues through Tenable's solutions and services. Ashley has over 20 years of experience in the IT industry, starting his career in a consulting role on IT infrastructure and security for enterprise customers. His passion for cybersecurity led him to managing the security program Symantec and Microsoft distributor for the Africa region. He continued on his cybersecurity journey at industry-leading companies such as Rogers, Symantec, and RSA prior to his tenure at Tenable. Along with a master's degree in information technology from Cranfield University, UK, Ashley also holds several industry certifications such as CEH, CISSP, CRISC, and a CompTIA Security Plus. Ashley has been part of the Industry Advisory Board of Reboot's Privacy and Security Conference and is currently an active member of Tech Nation and the Cybersecurity Threat Exchange. Today, we are chatting with Ashley about threat vulnerability and risk assessments. Alrighty, wonderful. Welcome back, everyone. We are so excited to have Ashley Lukirim here today with us from Tenable, the Assistant Vice President and Country Manager for Canada. Ashley, how are you doing? Really good. How are you doing, Tanya? I'm not doing too, too bad. So let's kick things off. Tell us a little bit about your work at Tenable. Absolutely. So uh, um, like you mentioned, I'm the country leader for Tenable. So basically, I work with a couple of folks across the country. Our responsibility is to work with a number of customers across different verticals in Canada to help them address cybersecurity risk. So we come in from an advisory point of view to you know, give them the guidance needed and the type of solutions that can help them reduce risk throughout the environment. That's wonderful. And how has Tenable been involved with cybersecurity at municipalities specifically? So Tenable as a company, you know, we've been investing significantly in Canada over the last three, three and a half years. And some of the work that we've been doing is actually for organizations like Tech Nation, like Public Safety Canada, uh, Canadian Cyber Threat Exchange, and through these different organizations, you know, we have been providing different thought leadership to municipalities. Also last year, I was personally involved with Tech Nation on drafting some of the best practices when it comes down to cybersecurity uh, issues. Now, aside from these uh, key, key things I just mentioned, you know, we also on a day-to-day basis are interacting with different municipalities across the country. Very often, again, you know, the municipalities are coming to the table to, to understand where do they start? You know, lots, lots of stuff going on in this world of cybersecurity. And, and very often, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a buzzword. People get confused. People have very few resources. So they come to us to have more of that, you know, cybersecurity program conversation. And therefore, that's, that's where we get involved. My team get involved 
I, I get pulled into those type of conversation with CISOs or CIOs as and when needed. That's awesome. And so we've learned over, I mean, the past year and a half, two years almost, um, that COVID has really shifted the working environment and a lot of vulnerabilities coming in in the cyberspace for remote workers. Have you seen any other reasons for increased risk for municipalities that has evolved? Yeah, you know what? Uh, the key word here is risk, right, Tanya? And, and truly, I mean, with COVID, uh, a bunch of things have happened. So when we talk about risk, I think about it from two major angles. So the first thing which we saw happening was that the municipalities had to increase their pace of digital transformation. Okay, so as, as Canadian citizens, you know, we have been looking at our municipalities to provide more and more of these services online. And therefore, what we've, we've seen municipalities doing more now is getting to do code development faster is starting to you know, uh, embrace more web applications, again, with the goal of making those services easily accessible as fast as possible to the citizens, right? So you know, as they started doing this, you know, they, they also started looking at, hey, how do we go and you know, leverage uh, infrastructures in the cloud, right? So we've seen uh, quite a bit of adoption from different cloud service providers, whether it's AWS, Google, Microsoft, you know, it's becoming more and more prevalent in those municipalities. So the net of it is, you know, as, as that pace of transformation has evolved a, a little bit faster, I would say, than before COVID, unfortunately, you know, that has increased the attack footprint for those municipalities. So that's the first major risk that, you know, we, we've seen increasing, right, uh, during COVID time, that, that, that expanded attack surface. Now, the second component in there is the people element. So just like you and me, you know, we had to work from home a lot of time, many of us, right? And so has been the case for many of the municipalities, IT, and cybersecurity people, right? So these individuals, you know, as they've been, you know, working remote, uh, it also opened another window of, of risk, you know, because they still need to remotely access certain systems to make certain changes. And reality is, you know, they are, they've been equally stressed throughout the COVID timeframe. So the amount of workload has actually increased with the expanded footprint, the number of people haven't necessarily increased from protecting the environment. And by the way, now they also had to deal with the stress of COVID and their own family situations. So all of that definitely has added an element of risk from a people point of view, you know. Um, and then last but not least is, you know, when, when, when you look at um, people, let's not forget about those folks who are working within the municipalities. So I'm not, I'm not talking about the IT people, but just, you know, other folks who are providing different types of service. These individuals now are connecting through their laptop, through their, uh, you know, um, equipment that the municipality may have provided. Uh, but at the same time, these are devices who are connected to their home network. In their home network, there may be other areas of vulnerabilities which could potentially, you know, jump onto their own 
company asset. So all of these have made risk become more prevalent within the municipalities in the last two years. So chatting about the change of networks for the work from home employees, do you, can you provide a tip or trick that could help mitigate the risk that comes along specifically with the change of networks? Yeah, so, so that, that's, that's an interesting one because it's, it's, not, it's not a single bullet point, right? Uh, there are a number of things that could be done. Uh, but very important to start off with uh, identity authentication. So as, as you log into your devices, make, make sure you have either strong password or multi-factor authentication. Right? There's a bunch of capabilities which municipalities are deploying out today in terms of strong factor. Take advantage of it. That, that's point number one. Point number two, um, you know, it really comes down to, again, making sure you, you do the basics. Take the security awareness training, which may be available to you as an employee. Uh, the more you know about you know, the, the, the foundational stuff, like you know, how to detect a phishing attack, how to uh, report a potential uh, issue to your IT, uh, the better it is going to be. And then um, last but not least is, um, you know, if something looks way too good to click, well, you may want to talk with IT first before you click on that. Yeah, and we've all been in that situation, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. So chatting about the threat asked actors and cyber criminals, can you chat a little bit about what are their motives? Why are they targeting municipalities more? Yeah, definitely. So, so you know, let's take a step back here. So when we look at municipalities, uh, you know, who are they dealing with? They are dealing with citizens like you and I, and very often, you know, we're logging in to get a different type of service. And basically that means personal identifiable information. Okay, so without, without a doubt, there's a lot of PII data within the environment that municipalities have in place today. So, you know, from a hacker point of view, you know, this is this is great. You know, data is is king in this world. You know, if they can get access to your personal information, um, you know, there are a lot of takers of that information for for the right dollars, right? So there is a black economy out there to actually you know leverage your identity information. So that's the first thing. You know, they they, they are looking out there and trying to figure out, hey, where can I find information? that I can turn into cash. So that's the first thing. The second area is, you know, when hackers hit any organization, it's also a question of understanding how much of an impact is that gonna create on the organization. So in the case of a breach to a municipality, you know, this impacts not only the brand for that municipality, but it also has, you know, a political angle, you know, people are not going to be happy, you know, it's going to be, you know, on the press, it's, it's really not, not the place, you know, to play with, with any, any type of people's data, right? Bottom line is hackers know very well that, hey, if, if we get the municipalities, um, you know, data breached, then they're probably going to come to the table to have some conversation about ransom, you know. So this whole world of ransomware um, is very lucrious, right? Uh, especially in the area of, of uh, you know, municipalities. Now, the second area to um, 
think about is you know the, the the defense that exists within those municipalities. So cybersecurity in general, you know, has a, a shortage of skilled people, right? Uh, in the case of municipalities, very often they, they, they already stretch. You know, they have two, three, four people maybe at most who are looking after this whole cybersecurity program. And the hackers, obviously, you know, they know that you know these uh, environment are getting stretched more and more. The number of people are not increasing, and therefore, you know, they just need one single loophole, right, to get into those environments. So knowing that the number of defenders haven't increased, but the footprint has increased, makes it a more attractive target, right, for the bad actors. And then last but not least is, uh, you know, the area of industrial control systems, which we also call operational technology. So if you think about these systems, you know, as an example, you're, you're thinking about water treatments within municipalities. Okay, what we're seeing in the last couple of years is there is a convergence between the traditional IT environment and those OT ICS infrastructure. And in this case, you know, we're talking about potential life or death, right? If someone gets into a water treatment, you know, uh, just make a slight tweak on the amount of chlorine or any other chemicals going into the water, that's a big issue for for people, right? So this, this by itself is, again, going back to my first point, which is what is the cost of getting access to the data? So by accessing, you know, these operational things within municipalities, it has very, very serious implication to citizens. And therefore, you know, it, it, it does make it a very, very attractive target for those bad, pe uh, bad, bad people out there. You know, put it simply, um, a lot of the attacks going on these days, towers, municipalities, they are targeted attacks. These are not script kiddies. This doesn't happen by mistake. Um, they are a very well-known target and the bad people know that they can get some potential ransom out of those attacks. Right on. And so chatting about those targeted attacks, would you say that those targeted attacks are still crimes of opportunity? You know, checking to see if the door is open and if it's open, walking in, and if it's locked, not smashing a window? Or how would you say that has changed? The targeted attacks is always about, you know, how, how, much, how much effort do they need to put into it before they see a return, right? So definitely the, the, the harder municipality or any organization can, can make it for the hacker, you know, they, they're going to probably think about, okay, what's, what's the next low-hanging fruit to go after, right? Um, so defense in depth is very, very important. Just having one level of security is not enough. Just having a, you know, antivirus or a firewall, you know, is, is just not enough. Um, so, so really, I think it comes back to what's the size of the organization? What are the potential vulnerabilities? And like any, any good hacker, the first thing they're going to do is a reconnaissance. You know, they're going to come in, scan the environment, the network, just to understand, you know, what's out there. So if your mechanism, um, your defense mechanism is not taking away those common vulnerabilities, guess what? You know, they're going to be right after you. And I'm sure that's why it's very important to, to know and keep track of what those potential vulnerabilities might be. 
Absolutely. And, and more importantly, it, it has to be as close as real time as, as possible. You know, you cannot, you cannot survive in this world by doing an assessment twice per year and assume that, hey, I've done my due diligence and, you know, we're all good. This, this world is, is moving very fast and we need to have closer to real-time vulnerability, visibility on, on the environment. So let's say we're dealing with a smaller municipality that might not have the vast cyber or IT team at their ready to deal with this constant reevaluation. Whose responsibility should that be within the organization? So, you know, th- th- this, is, this is where it becomes a conversation about who owns risk, who owns cyber risk. You know, in the traditional days, it was, oh, this is an IT problem, or this is a cybersecurity group problem. I think as, as citizens or even, you know, folks within municipalities, you know, we need to make sure that everyone in the organization understand that it starts with the individual. You know, we need to start bringing in a risk culture within the organization. So... The very, very simple basic stuff that can be done is um, training, you know, making sure individuals understand that, you know, their action can have impact on the entire municipality, right? So that's very, very important. But also I would say the number of things that can be done in terms of assessments, you know, you don't necessarily need to have all the bells and whistles in terms of technology from day one. But you could start with very simple assessment of your process and, you know, your, your operation workflows. You know, if you can understand these things, uh, you know, you can start tweaking some of the business process you have within the organization to help minimize, you know, some of those risks out there. So you touched a little right there on risk assessments. What are some other risk assessments that municipalities can undergo? Yeah, definitely. So, so the point I just touched on was more in the area of qualitative uh, risk assessment. You know, you would come in, do a questionnaire, tell me about, you know, how are you doing backup? How do you do alert on, on a potential breach, these type of things, what type of controls you have in place. These are, you know, Q&A that you could do with different business units within your organization. You know, you could also do the same with your suppliers. You know, municipalities, like many other organizations these days, have third parties coming in to provide different service. When these organizations are coming in, it would be a good thing just to have a checklist of controls that you would like to see from those third parties before they provide you the service. So that's, that's more on the qualitative side of things. The second area here is really getting into the quantitative measurement of, of your risk. So to do this properly, it's very important for municipalities to put a vulnerability management program in place. Uh, so this is where, you know, you would need to look at, you know, capabilities from the industry to basically come and uh, scan your entire footprint, you know, your traditional servers, your endpoints, your cloud, your remote uh, workforce infrastructure, and, and give you a sense of, you know, which type of vulnerabilities exist in your environment 
while at the same time give you a better understanding of which type of assets that you have in your organization. If you cannot see what you have, you won't be able to protect yourself. And, and that's why I, I go back to the point of, you know, when, when we get into quantitative uh, risk assessment, it has to be on a continuous basis. Um, many organizations um, that we've dealt with in the past and still today, you know, we, we, we know sometimes they are just having a contractor coming in to do a pen testing once per year or twice per year. While this is a start, this is not enough because the, the, the question that, that, that comes to the table very often is this, you know, if, if there, there is a new vulnerability out today, typically, you know, the, the business going to come and ask the question, how secure are we against this new vulnerability that hit the street today? Guess what? Very often we've seen organizations go and pull that report, which was done six months ago and say, oh, let me have a look at this report. And unfortunately, they, 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 can't, they can't get the answer because it was six months ago. And now there is a new vulnerability. So the point is you have to evolve. You have to, you have to get to that point where you understand that risk is not static. It changes every day every minute and so are you know the the threat uh, out there and and the bad actors so so we need to look at our assets the threat intelligence and then you know um the potential impact to our business as as often as we can that's great i really like your point about the vulnerability management plan can you chat with us about how that feeds into an emergency preparedness plan is it is it related? Is it something that's separate? How does it feed in? So it's definitely, a, I would say, a foundational component of a cybersecurity program. So when you look at it, an emergency response plan, this is obviously in a situation something bad is happening and you know the, the business needs to react. What, what we're talking about here is being as proactive as possible, trying to reduce uh, you know, those situations of, of breaches. So the more you know about your vulnerabilities, hopefully you're going to have more time to work with your IT to go and patch, to go and remediate these things and, and reduce the number of emergency responses that you're going to have to make. Now, by no means, you know, you're going to have zero incidents. You know, it's... it's uh, there's, there's nothing like zero risk unless unless you don't want to have any digital footprint. But the whole point is try to be proactive, reduce it, and that's how you benefit all the business. So what is the success story that you can share from an organization that either you have dealt with or that you've known about who has eliminated the potential for a cyber attack or breach through proper preparedness? So the one that I can think of is actually a municipality in Westport of Canada. So this goes back to end of 2019. They had only two resources who were basically supporting their whole cybersecurity program for, uh, let's say, a size of about 2,500 employees. First thing is, as you can see, it's, it's already a very limited pool of, of resources, right, to protect against the bad people. So at the time, um, you know, they, they came to 
to ask for a conversation and their struggle was basically this, you know, at any point in time, they were only able to get one third visibility of what was out there in their environment. You know, they could not go and uh, scan enough because part of the problem was this, you know, the more they were scanning, the more vulnerabilities they were finding and they were finding more vulnerabilities um, the IT team was not big enough and they kept saying, oh, geez, last week you told us we had 100 vulnerabilities. This week you tell, you tell us we have 200. But by the way, we're still trying to fix half of what you just told us last week. Right. So it was really becoming sort of a whack-a-mole game, you know, day in, day out. This is important. Fix it. Next day, this is also important. Fix it. And it was, it was just turning into a reactive scenario for this municipality. So they, they consulted with a number of people and eventually, uh, you know, put some formal requirements on the street and decided to really translate what we call penetration testing into a risk-based vulnerability management set of requirement. You know, they, um, they went ahead, they fortunately, you know, selected us as, as the provider for the solution. And fast forward, you know, today when we look at their environment, they are close to 95% of coverage. There's still some work to be done. But more importantly, they have only half FTE now who's spending time on figuring out those vulnerabilities compared to almost two a year and a half ago. And at the same time, you know, what they, they've started doing better is actually prioritization of, you know, which vulnerability to fix first. Yes, they are finding a lot, but through capabilities that's out there today, you know, we have enough intelligence to be able to advise them on which one to tackle first before running after the next one. So this is this is where this organization is. They are also at the same time starting to think about how do they expand their coverage now into the industrial control system. So they have water treatment as well. And they started looking into that environment uh, as we speak. That's awesome. And would you say that with kind of the expanded training and awareness that there was a shift in the culture around cybersecurity and that in that organization? There's definitely uh, more awareness that it's uh, an ongoing risk for them. Because again, if we go back to 2018, they were doing just an assessment per year, right? So for, for them now, the fact that, you know, they have some automation that's helping them, there's definitely uh, more of an appetite to go and dis discover as much as possible their, their environment. Because they know that they don't have to worry about the, too much about the, the problem of overload of, of stuff that needs to be fixed. Yeah, taking it one step at a time, I think is key. Absolutely. So if you can provide our listeners one tactical piece of advice to remember from our conversation today, what would that be? Stick to the basics. Cyber hygiene is extremely important. This this world of cybersecurity has a lot of possibilities out there. There's a lot of buzzwords, but truly when we talk about stick to the basics is really all about know your assets, 
and know your vulnerabilities. You know that you can figure out where to go and put protection mechanism in place. It's just like as if you know, you're, you're moving into a brand new house and now you need to think about where are you going to put physical security cameras. So first thing to do is go figure out where are all your entry points, where are your windows, where are your doors, you know, what's possible through your basement, right? From there, you can figure out where you're going to put your cameras. That, that's, that's what I would leave the audience with. You know, don't try to boil the ocean. Stick with the basics. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. This was great. Thank you so much, Daniel. Take care. A big thank you again to Ashley and his team at Tenable. To get connected with Tenable or to learn more about their services, head to their website at www.tenable.com. As always, if you are interested in learning more about how to enhance your organization's cybersecurity, head to technationcanada.ca and check out our Municipal Cybersecurity Best Practices Guidelines. Thanks for tuning in and stay cyber safe.